I started using Pillar Performance about a month ago, and as a skeptic of just about every supplement on the market, I was so impressed by their triple magnesium and the benefits I felt from it, particularly with my sleep and recovery, that I reached out to them to try more of their stuff. And once again, for someone who never uses supplements, I was such a fan. And because of that faith I have in the products from using them and the benefit I truly believe people will get from using them, I'm happy to announce that this episode of How They Train is brought to you by Pillar Performance. Leaders in sports micronutrition, Pillar are changing the way micros are viewed when it comes to optimal performance. High strength and informed sports certified, Pillar's range supports optimal recovery, elevates energy, boosts immunity, and relieves inflammation. Head to pillarperformance.shop to learn more. And while you're there, use my code HTT10, which gets you $10 off your first order. That's code HTT10, which gets you $10 off your first order. And it supports the show. So it's a win-win. Welcome back to How They Train. I'm Jack Kelly, and today I'm joined for the second time this year by Braden Curry. Braden came third at the Ironman World Championships earlier this year, where he was leading the race for about six hours. And we talked right after that, if you haven't listened and want to go back and do so. So therefore, I just had to get Braden back on to talk about his training in the lead up to this edition of the Ironman World Champs in Kona, where he is undoubtedly going in as one of the big favorites. Braden, thanks for being here, mate. Uh, how are you feeling? Um, yeah, good. Good to be on again, mate. Um, now we're feeling pretty good. We're uh, here in Maui, settled into uh, daily training life, and uh, yeah, just just sort of tying up a few final final touches, and before we head to the Big Island. I've been following along on your Instagram, and you you're one of those guys on Instagram who you always post good photos. Like your Instagram is just a good place to be, but and, and I know it can be deceiving, but you look fit and. And I don't know how much you can read from that, but but you do look fit. Are you feeling fit? Um, I guess there's a good saying: uh, if you can't tone it, tan it. Um, <laughs> that a mate told me. So uh, I'm pretty tanned. Uh, so maybe that's just helping me uh, look really fit at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean we're getting there. You know, it's been a it's pretty pretty long build um, this one and. Uh, yeah, living in an environment like this, uh, where you go outside for a few hours and you lose a few liters of water, um, you still you soon look pretty skinny. Yeah, let's talk about this. Like, let's let's uh, let's like delve into what you've been doing in the lead up to this because you've had a unlike almost every single triathlete on the planet this year, you've had a pretty relaxed race schedules. Like, the the current meta in triathlon seems to just be race as many races as you, as you possibly can and try and make as much PTO money as you possibly can while still trying to win some big Ironman races. And you have sort of been one of the, like really the only guy I can think of who's gone against that grain and raced the world championships early, earlier in the year when you came third and then backed it up with Cairns. But you haven't done a whole lot. You did Collins Cup as well. And but, but outside of that, yeah, you, your race schedule has been pretty quiet. Um, is that because everything for you this year was, well, I've just come third at St. George and I've got to win Kona now and, and that's what you've been trying to do? Um, yeah, pretty much, to be honest. It's, uh, it is that and it's also, I just think it, it takes so much to cross over and perform well. Um, I'd love to be 
fanging around the world and, and racing all the PTO races. Uh, it really excites me and, and potentially it's something on the cards uh, next year. But um, yeah, just this year, um, it wasn't sort of on the cards and I feel like to do well at those races, I have to really focus on them and, and train, you know, specifically for them. Um, where, you know, definitely my wheelhouse at the moment is, is in long course racing and in Ironman racing. Um, and I guess the other factor is, uh, I've got two kids and a wife and, um, I enjoy my life outside of triathlon, um, to probably sacrifice the whole thing towards triathlon. So yeah, I like going home. I like surfing. I like, uh, going on hunting trips and, um, hanging out with mates. So yeah, I, I try not to congest it too much, uh, with just racing and, uh, and too much traveling. So how long have you, like, have you, have you guys done a block at the moment that is specifically for the Ironman World Championships? Like, did you sit down and set out a like, oh, here's 12 weeks or 16 weeks or eight weeks or whatever it was where your training was just solely, this is a World Championships block to try and win Kona? Well, uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I obviously raced uh, World Champs earlier in the year and then, um, I, I honestly, I actually just needed some more points, uh, to get me higher up the PTO ranks and I needed one race to swap out. So, uh, a second was pretty much good enough at, uh, Ken's to give me the points that I needed, um, or just a reasonable performance. So that was sort of put on the schedule last minute. Um, and also we were heading to Australia, uh, wife, kids, everything to base in Noosa for a block. So, um, it just made sense to, to do the race on the way. Uh, so yeah, we, we did that. And then since then, yeah, it's definitely been, um, all focused towards Kona. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we obviously Noosa and then raced the Collins cup quickly and came here. Um, and this block is yeah definitely specifically for a good result at Kona. Can you walk me through what it's looked like? So say after you did the Collins Cup, where have you been and, um, and how many weeks like how many weeks are you dedicating solely to the, the world cha- champs? Like um, you're in Maui at the moment, which is an island in, in Hawaii, but where have you been before that and, and how come you're in Maui now? And yeah, can you just like take us through where and why you are, like where you are and, and where you have been and, and, and what training you've sort of been doing while you've been in those places? Yep. Um, yeah, I guess I, I finished Cairns and we went to Noosa. Uh, I obviously love to use Noosa, um, as a training base. And yeah, I guess a lot of the focus was trying to get my swim, um, back up to scratch there. And for me, it's a really easy place to do it. Uh, also, yeah, just working on basic kind of volume, um, just ticking away eight weeks, uh, there, just trying to make all the boxes go green and, and nothing too special. Um, I went to Austria straight after the Collins Cup and uh, very lucky to have, I guess, two facilities there, a hotel uh, called Jakob's uh, Hotel, which is a triathlon-specific hotel. Um, and, yeah, I get to stay there, stay there for 10 days uh, and get to use all the Red Bull uh, facilities in, in their testing centre. Um, and also the cycling is uh, absolutely phenomenal around there. So, I made that week a, a bit of a bike focused week, um, found some mountains to climb, just clicked up a whole lot of hours, um, taken away on the bike and, uh, 
yeah, tried to get on top of that um, before I came here. Um, I guess with the mindset of once I got here, it's probably going to be it's a, with this much heat, it's a little bit harder to just continuously do the volume. Um, so we wanted to have a really good endurance base um, behind me before I got here. Uh, since I've been here, I had you know a bit of a lighter week and then one really big week. And uh, yeah, I guess I, I probably work a little bit different to others. Um, yeah, like right now is it's really just a tuning environment. It's uh, you know it's it's kind of like a race bill, race taper, taper, race taper, taper. Um, so there's lots of kind of quite easy days. Like today's literally just a just a hard run. Um, this morning and then feed up and, and cruise for the day but yeah and then tomorrow is pretty much five hours of race pace lots of tempo lots of um, intervals lots of efforts uh, with a runoff um, and then it's then it's kind of feed up again for a couple of days and, and get fresh and try not to try not to go too deep um, try not to just get try not to just kind of build that huge amount of fatigue like try and be able to train as fresh as I can um, and yeah, just keep trying to add a little bit more and a little bit more on, on top of, I guess, my overall power and speed and fitness. When you said you were doing those big bike um, miles uh, before you flew out to Hawaii, how much were you actually doing? Like what did those weeks of, of big riding look like for you? Um, I mean, I'm not even, I don't know, you know, Reedy and those guys, they know me well. I'm not a big, big mileage kind of trainer. Um, so probably, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of 500k in a week, but, um, you know, some of those rides had two and a half thousand meters climbing in them, uh, each day. So lots of, lots of kind of strength stuff, lots of, um, yeah, lots of climbing and, uh, just good amount of hours in the saddle. Something I'm I'm really curious about, Braden, is that like you were so close last year. You like I'm not sure if you felt like this, but like watching it, you could almost taste winning the world championships. And it was off the back of like A, how how like phenomenal an athlete you are, but also how the race played out. How are you envisioning the race playing out this this time around? Are you thinking it's gonna be the same thing where your swim has to be really strong for you to be in that front group and a group you is going to get away from the the big dogs chasing behind like Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden and Magnus Ditlev or how do you how do you see it playing out and and then secondly have you shaped your training like based on how you see it playing out um yeah absolutely yeah uh like uh, all those Christians uh, I don't know how how do I see it playing out um Kona is such a different beast and you know worlds um the way the race unfolded is uh was ideal for me and perfect for me and and you're right I thought halfway through that run or at 17k through that run I actually thought I'd won the world champs um till till uh Christian ran a 237 uh on that course so um if I'd held strong and ran a a 240 242 then uh I thought I was going to win but I obviously wasn't so uh, my pacing wasn't quite fast enough and uh, I blew up anyway. So, yeah, uh, coming off that, um, it definitely gave me a taste of what it was like uh, to be, well, again, to be at the front of a World Champs race. I've been there. I've been to Kona three times and 
twice I've been, you know, seventh and fifth uh, and gone under eight hours. Um, so I knew that I kind of could compete at that level. But, um, yeah, to be at the kind of front of the race and be able to somewhat um, have the belief that I could win it was a bit of a change. Um, Kona itself, how will it play out? Uh, I mean, it's just so unknown. It's, there is, um, it's an incredibly strong field and uh, there's always going to be that depth there and, and people, the thing, people are prepared to risk so much at Kona for the win um, and that's where it gets really interesting. It is just the elements are probably so much more challenging than what Utah were um, and how people are going to tolerate that. Uh, I do think there'll be a fast swim. There's no no uh, hiding the fact that there's, you know, there's probably seven or eight, maybe even 10 guys that are, are probably all front bunch swimmers, like probably a bigger crew than what we're at St. George with the likes of Apo, Amberger. Um, yeah, in the mix there. Um, so that's probably going to stretch that front group out a little bit more. Um, and there's, you know, we want to take every chance we can get to get away from, uh, the Norwegians and make them do that little bit more work to either get up on the bike or have to do it later on in the run. Um, you know, the bike, uh, the bike is always surgy at Kona. And I, I just think it's the lay of the land um, and uh, the way the course kind of unfolds that uh, it is, it tends to be quite a physical bike ride um, and incredibly taxing. So there yeah, there's definitely benefit with being in that front group and uh, riding as a group. But a lot of ways I've experienced some of the most worst rides at Kona. And if uh, it means having to sort of sacrifice being with that front group to do to do more of a consistent power, then I'm probably prepared to do that in this race. Um, yeah, and then how, you know, who's going to run, who's going to be there um, at that fronty pointy end, I think the the reality in Kona these days is that there's there's so many guys, even you know, like some Joe Skipper and that they're just putting out incredible performances that, you know, that can run sub two forty probably. Uh now there's so many that are Uber cyclists and can run sub two forty. So I don't think there's that sort of ability to give away maybe ten minutes to an Uber cyclist like um we probably could have when Cam Worth rode rode away from uh us years ago. And uh yeah, so I do think there's there's a lot more um, going to have to be emphasis in, in keeping that bike rolling um, and trying to trying to keep more towards the front of the race. I was talking to Sam Laidlow a few weeks ago, and he was telling me how he felt like he had a really average swim at St George, um, and he was obviously in that that front group with you guys, and actually drove the swim for for a little bit towards the end of it there. Do you see the swim in Kona being harder than the swim was in St. George earlier in the year? Because I know like when we chatted last time, you sort of spoke about how the swim felt like it was a little, not not quite fast enough early at, at St. George. So you went to the front and like tried to take some boys with you and, and, and set a bit of a hotter pace. Do you reckon like, will you guys get together that like same group, like Daniel Backengard, yourself, Sam Laidlow, Florian Anger, um, who else was there? Leon was there and throw in like Apo and Amberg and those. Do you guys, is there any chance of you guys saying like, we can't, we, we don't think we can beat Christian and, and Gustav if they're there. Like, 
let's get together and make this race almost impossible for them to win by like forming a big swim group and and riding consistent on the ride or like or is that just is that like is like is that completely unrealistic to happen um it's it's probably relatively unrealistic <laughs> to form that bigger group um and get everyone on the same basis but I think there'll be no one in that group also that's going, let's uh, let's kind of just sit back and swim easy. You know, you know, someone like Savanberger who yeah, is probably is the strongest swimmer um, in that group, in my opinion. Uh, he he'll wanna he'll wanna push it. Um, he knows that and he'll want the group to push probably with him. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely an interesting one. It's uh, there'll be every hope that we can get away uh, from Christian and uh, Patrick and a few others and put some time, some distance between those guys. But yeah, whether it works or not, uh, I do not know. <laughs> and can you take me inside? Like, so you said that you went to Noosa to to try and get your swim to the the level where it needs to be to be a part of this, like to put yourself in the position to win the race. Can you take me through like what that looks like, what your swim block looked like to to be the kind of guy who can be in the, the front five or six out of the water at Kona to to, to hopefully get away from, from the big dogs? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's like uh, no secret for me when it comes to swimming that it is about volume. <laughs> um, it's about time time in the water and, and sure it does take it a little bit away from my, my bike and my run. Um, but yeah, I, I think in racing these days, if you've got the ability to be towards the front, you, you've got to try um, to harness that and, and use that. Um, so yeah, I swim with, uh, as we've talked about before, JR and, and many others have talked about it. And it was interesting to listen to your podcast the other day with uh, Amberger on and hear that he, uh, I knew he had worked with JR back in the day, but I didn't know that he started his whole career at age 10 with JR. So I hate to see, uh, I hate to think what that was like um, because I've only started my career at 26, 27 uh, with JR. Well, not even, I was, I was probably 30 by the time I started swimming with him. Um and that was mentally challenging enough, let alone being 10 years old. So uh, he, he put me through my paces. Yeah, it's an incredible swim group. Um, you've swum there before too. They're all, they're all you know, they're just, just phenomenal swimmers. Um, some of the best open water marathon swimmers in the world and, uh, and definitely in Australia. And um, it's just a really good environment. So there were lots of sets that might be, you know, 8K is pretty standard um, to turn up to the pool and swim 8K. Uh, on a, I swim every afternoon pretty much when I'm there five days a week. Um, and yeah, yeah, most sessions are between probably seven or eight K and then Saturday might be up to 10 K. Was there, was there a time throughout your, your little swim block at, at Noosa with JR where, where, cause I know what often happens when you show up to these swim blocks with JR is you don't feel great when you get there, but then like as little as a, a couple of weeks in, you feel like a different, a different like animal in the, in the water. Was there a, like a set or a time when you started to feel like, Oh yeah, I'm back here. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting this year. I probably haven't had as big a progression as what I've, uh, sorry, I, I as what I've had this year, uh, in my swim. Um, but I definitely had more fatigue when I turned up to start. I remember going through the first sort of two weeks, and that was kind of straight after, well, not straight after Cairns, but like a week after racing Cairns. And it was like, well, I'll get back in the water and get some swim volume going. And uh, 
yeah, times definitely got slower and slower. And, um, yeah, I wasn't really getting anywhere. Um, but I was, I was building that endurance and could get through those bigger sets without, um, feeling too shattered. And, uh, then it wasn't till, um, actually I got COVID, uh, I got COVID there for like six, seven days. Uh, I had to be out of the water and, uh, I feel like it, that actually funny enough, probably gave me a recovery. Um, a bit of time out of the water and, and all of a sudden I was, I was back in the pool swimming my best say 3100s as holding my best average times that I've ever done and, and 50s holding the best uh, best splits that I've ever done so um, yeah it all kind of clicked once I had a bit of time but that was it was about five or six weeks in. And just my last question on the swim oh it's like a two-parter I guess Braden no Alistair Brownlee in the race this year means that like again, dynamics probably suit you more. It's not going to be like as crazy punchy as it as it might have been with him in there in the water and and straight away out of the bike. Which I'm sure, like, oh well, I'm assuming here, but I'm sure I'm sure that excites you a little bit, knowing that that you you're not going to have that crazy surge at the start of the race. How like how much will you try and be a leader in the water at Kona? Are you gonna? be the guy who goes to the front if you don't feel the pace is hot enough? Do you have plans to just go to the front anyway and try and work with, with Amberger and Laidlow from the start? Or do you envision it as, hey, I'm going to try and sit in third or fourth um, feet in, in the water and, and just hold on? Um, uh, a bit of both uh, and also dependent on the situation. I tend to have a very fast start and uh, I'm normally pretty good over that first 200 metres, 300 metres. So uh, I'll be pretty happy to, to try and get some fresh water there and, and some clean lines. And um, if I'm on the front for that first K, then I really won't be too worried. Um, I do. Amberger, hands down, is a much better swimmer than I ever am uh, and ever will be. So <laughs> I don't expect that I'll be 3, 4K into it and still pulling um, those guys. Even you know, Apo, uh, you know, swims just so has been swimming uh, since he was a kid, you know, it's just so much more fluid. So, um, you know, if I have to use a bit of my speed to try and get that group out and, and get it moving, um, then that's great. And uh, if those guys can haul in there at two, two and a half K and, and just hold the tempo high, then um, I'll be pretty happy with that. So, yeah, that's that's ideal situation. But uh, who knows, I might have a bad start and, and be out the back door in second group before I know it. And then with your riding, we touched on that that like little bit of volume you did before you went out to to Hawaii. But what are what have some like sessions been that you've been doing, or like what specifically have you been doing on the bike? You said you're you're not a super high volume guy, and your biggest weeks are about five hundred k's with with a heap of climbing. But have you been doing any like specific sessions or specific long rides or or anything like that in in the build up this time around? Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. My um. Let's say, uh, let's say 500k with a whole lot of climbing. Um, that's probably my biggest weeks. <laughs> that is it. The rest of the time, it's probably more around, you know, 400k. Um, uh, the 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 sessions. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know where to start, mate. To be honest, uh, <laughs> I have been working with this German coach for the last. Uh, year and a half specifically on my bike um and yeah i would say i would say you're looking uh, probably a lot more of a polarized training program than i'm used to um with uh 
yeah, yes, you know, rides for the soul. Um, he actually trained, studied with Dan Lorang. So it was funny listening to the podcast with him where um, he talks about sending yarn out and riding for the soul, um, long rides for the soul. So a few of them in there each week. But uh, yeah, otherwise, otherwise just very, very, I think I did a session the other day that, uh, you know, I have it all automated. So it rolls through training peaks, rolls through my Garmin and uh, pops up on my Garmin with, you know, the intervals, the time and split and the power and have to keep it in the green zone. Um, I think it had 62 intervals in a three and a half hour ride. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot, uh, of different, uh, different training zones and, and facets being trained in, uh, in that one three and a half hour ride. What's been your, uh, your favorite session that you've done so far in the lead up? Um, for me, uh, probably just the riding, uh, the West Maui loop. It's about a three hour loop, big cliffs, uh, seaside cliffs the whole way. Uh, lots, lots of climbing, probably too much climbing for my coaches liking as it's, uh, there's also a lot of climbing. There's also a lot of descending. Um, but, uh, yeah, I tend to roll around that takes about three hours and it finishes what well, doesn't finish, but you come around, um, a big flat section. Uh, in the middle of the island that's got what we just call it the TT circuit it's about a 20k circuit um, that's got a really strong headwind one way tailwind the other way a um, bit of a crosswind uh, the other way so yeah roll that and then and then go and um, smash myself uh, around that little TT circuit um, and head home. And then, like, when it comes to a ride like Kona, which is, like, it's just known as a pretty brutal bike course, and like you said, it's always just road super surgy and, like, attacks come left, right and centre and it's, like, so, like, it can be so hot and windy and you just have to be strong on a course like that. Have you, like, how do you, how do you, like, shape your bike training to make sure that you're ready for for that like that course in those conditions with everyone at their fittest and everyone like going crazy on the bike trying to win um yeah i guess a lot of it is that um like i saw that session the other day it had 62 different intervals um and it's it's a lot of variance in my riding um there's a lot of yeah i guess easy just kind of easy base miles but then when we're going hard we tend to go really hard um and try and yeah build those systems to be able to tolerate that lactate be able to um reuse it as a fuel um and i guess we've got pretty clear guidelines of what kind of numbers i can hold um and then what you know what i need to pull it back to to be able to start you know using up some of that lactate as a fuel um and how long that needs to be so yeah we've we've sort of figured that out over the last few years um with testing and stuff to to get a pretty strong idea of you know what you know how hard i can afford to ride and you like obviously with how the the world champs played out last time where you came third and you were you know at the front of the race until the the halfway point in the run and you were sort of dictating the race a lot um you were one of the the key players where you pushed the pace in the swim and um drove that group and then you did the same on the bike where you were like a strong player in in the group how do you feel like your swimming and your cycling is compared to where it was at say this point leading into St. George? Um, in swimming's good. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I finished a big set of 3100s yesterday. 
Um, it's always hard to know with uh, swimming in a yard pool compared to a metre pool, but uh, yeah, I, I was definitely pretty happy with at least the consistency um, of the times. So I feel like we're, we're there um, with the swim and it's just kind of holding that, that pace uh, till race day. Um, the ride, uh, yeah, numbers are definitely, I left New Zealand before St. George uh, to go up to Cedar City for two weeks or 12 days training. Um, and that would be sort of similar time to now. And uh, yeah, things are definitely tracking a little bit better than they were in St. George. So um, yeah, all, all fingers crossed that uh, timing uh, works out and uh, we are on the start line uh, in as good a condition and a little bit better at St. George. And the, the only question I have left about the bike is, in this build-up, have have you been doing like all of your riding on your TT bike, and and like have have you been doing all your riding outside of, or have you been doing like a lot of specific work on the on the indoor trainer, like everyone in triathlon seems to do these days, where you're in the TT position, holding big power for long periods of time inside, or how have you how have you played that that this build? Um. Yeah, a bit of both, like Noosa, um, so obviously some rainy days and things like that, and it was cool enough that jumping on the wind trainer uh, is a pretty good option. Um, but since I've been here, it's uh, I've got a trainer here. I, I brought one just in case, uh, in case it rained, but it actually hasn't really rained since I've been here, so uh, it hasn't been needed. Um, plus another big factor is my coach's he spends a lot of time um, researching uh, the area and my rides, and we don't we don't use it. But it's like Strava is uh, Kamut. I don't know if you've ever used Kamut before, but it's a planning uh, plan my ride kind of app. Um, he'll go through and and plan my whole ride, and he'll he'll set the intensities uh, that I'll ride each section um, and each stage for, or each hill climb, or each descent, and um, that kind of takes away a lot of that kind of unknown variability to a plan because quite often the actual intervals are set to the riding terrain um, which to me makes a really big difference because I've always sort of struggled with going outside and trying to trying to do a specific session um, and then you end up you know on a route that just doesn't suit it and yeah um, you know you kind of blow the whole session so yeah he puts a lot of detail uh, into the specifics of the actual course that I'm going to ride um, and tries obviously to set all the power numbers and efforts to that course uh, and he'll also shape the course to the session that he wants. And then I guess the, the big piece of the puzzle that we haven't talked about yet but will be where the race is uh, ultimately won uh, at Kona is the run. So walk me through what's been happening in in the lead up to Kona in, in this, in this block for you with the run, because it's like you were so close and, um, and, and ran actually bloody well in St. George and really like just got beaten by someone who was, who was running much faster than anyone else thought was possible on that course. So yeah, what's been happening in the, in the build up to Kona with, with your running? Um, yeah, I mean, don't want to try and, change uh reinvent the wheel in a lot of ways um run has always been something that i've been able to produce uh without too much work um 
I think on average, I, I probably average about 40K a week of run volume. Um, and then in, in bigger lead ups, it might get up to 60, 65K a week. So uh, I definitely haven't gone and changed that uh, formula because it, it tends to work for me. Um, and then a lot of it's just a quality, like a lot of quality sessions, a lot of hills to get used to, you know, those little climbs out of Lehi Drive and um, the descent down to Energy Lab, trying to kind of maximize the leg speed and overspeed kind of work. Um, but yeah, I mean, we haven't, we haven't gone and, and completely changed my running uh, philosophy or, or training process. Um, it's more just trying to trying to keep consistent um stay injury free and and get through the training consistency for you in the run what does that look like in like kilometers per week how much have you sort of been doing in the in the build-up um and then like inside of that um inside of that total weekly volume how long have like your long runs been and and how long have your sessions been and 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 all of that um yeah, I mean, as I said, I, I don't do, I don't do big run volume. That's probably a tend to average between forty-five and sixty, maybe a really big week, sixty-five k a week for me. But I'd say if you actually took the overall averages of the last twelve weeks, I, I probably sit somewhere around the fifty k a week uh, average. And uh, yeah, one one long run uh, tends to be around about two hours. I don't often go over that. Um, and then more intensity. So whether it's uh, yeah, whether it's track sessions, whether likes of today was hill repeats, um, long, long consistent hill repeats uh, with uh, some fast flat stuff at the bottom, and then back up a long hill. So yeah, that's that's about it. Um, yeah, I mean overall training volume is again it, it's more consistency. I, I probably look to do anywhere between 25 and, and 30 hours on a big week. So, you know, probably average out to be that 26, 27 hours a week um, and just try and try and keep it consistent. And have you done any sort of like really specific or like race specific bricks in the, in the lead up to Kona this time around? And like do, do bricks form a part of your training at all, Brayden? Nah, bricks don't form any of my training. <laughs> I don't do bricks. Uh, I've never had an issue with running off the bike. Um, I always feel very comfortable. In fact, I, I tend to go way too fast when I run off the bike. So, um, yeah, I, I just tend to find that from like just trying to minimize uh, the potential of injury is a big thing when you're trying to get that consistency. And if I can um you know give it a few hours and and go and have a quality run um later than groveling my way um around for an hour after a five-hour ride then uh that's what i would prefer to do so um i think that me personally i think that people sink themselves way too deep in training and uh and that just ends up taking such a huge toll on their overall fitness and their ability to perform um on a big day and, and really turn up the pace when it counts. So yeah, I try not to, I try not to roll around every day and do a five hour ride with a hard run off or, a, you know, um, yeah, a hard brick session is, is not something that I feel like I've needed to do in the past and um, haven't really jumped on it. And then like um, with you, like I sort of talked about earlier, you just look insanely fit at the moment and you're putting it down to fake tan, but like you, you just do, you look like in incredible shape. And I know you're a super healthy guy, like we talked about 
um, on the podcast last time where you like place a massive emphasis on on eating really, really like balanced, healthy food, and and you think that's um, super important to, to performance. How how have you been going with your like your nutrition and your diet in the lead up to this race? Have you placed like the same importance as you always like have always done in races, and and are doing the same things you always do, or is there there any update on that front? Um, no, no, probably more. Um, I'd say probably more fueling than I've done in the past, just a little bit. So probably more rides um, that are fueled than not fueled. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't worry about trying to fast uh, too many. Every now and then I'll do a fasted ride um, if it works into the program. But otherwise, I, yeah, I don't really bother. Um, I think we, you know, we use enough energy um, with our overall training load to, to get that kind of fat metabolism going anyway. So, um, I'm not like a, a big Coke or, you know, a high sugar consumer anyway. Um, so it's sort of, I tend to sort of survive on, on just good solid whole foods and, and train a lot on that. Um, and then if there's a real, yeah, key ride or key run, then, you know, I'll jazz it up a little bit and, and throw some, some gels in there and a bit more caffeine, but, um, yeah, we, we don't go, um, too far out of the way, um, of trying to, even the, you know, the weight thing hasn't, I, I used to get really worried about weight or not really worried. I used to do a lot of work to try and drop weight at this point in time leading into a major race. Um, but uh, with, yeah, since probably the lead into St. George, we didn't worry about it. And uh, this one, we haven't worried about it either. And I think it's, uh, it's definitely led to being a lot more kind of healthy and I'd say more powerful. With the um, with the additional fueling, like say like less faster training and that kind of thing that you've been doing, have you noticed a difference in in how your training's been going? Um, yep, yeah. I mean, it's always hard to know, isn't it? But uh, I definitely I cracked out a really big week last week, and yeah, didn't yeah sort of ask the coaches like, can we can we keep turning it up? Can we um can we do a little bit more next week? Because uh, uh you know i feel pretty good so i'm going to take that as a sign of um that's good fueling and and i'm keeping on top of probably the requirements that my body needs um so yeah I'm a big believer and if you can do that then that's going to lead to uh, i guess a stronger race a better performance and then my my sort of last question is um is there anything else like about the race and the dynamics of the race that you've been thinking about that we sort of haven't touched on. Like we talked about how like, not like the ideal race might go for you in terms of, of the race dynamics, but is there anything else that you've been thinking of or like people you've been thinking of, or just like ways the race could play out? Like, have you been thinking about the the dynamics of the race at all in the, in the lead up or is it, is it just something you don't really spend any time focusing on? Um, oh, I mean, I've probably just thought about what I've talked about and that's, uh, that's about it, to be honest, <laughs> you know, I know, I know in the race, uh, who I believe are going to be the guys at the front of the swim and who are going to be in that group and then who are going to do work on the bike. And, um, I know where I'd like to be. And then I also know what I'll do if, uh, if I'm not in that group and, and, you know, how I'll play my race after that. So, um that kind of takes care of itself in a lot of ways um i'm not a big not a big hype person in a ways you know i feel like uh relatively relaxed about it and sometimes the more kind of psyched up and more thought you put into it um 
the more energy it just takes away from actual race day and uh let's face it you know it's it's eight hours of racing and seven and a half whatever seven forty five of of racing and you need you can't you know you can't have other things that are consuming energy um at that point of time so yeah i try and come into it as relaxed as i can and, and be open to all situations that are going to potentially unfold and um yeah i think probably just a big thing for kona this year is that um lead into the race is just going to be probably a lot more challenging than it has been in the past with uh more kind of media requirements and then um with the women's race on thursday and uh yeah the whole of town being sort of shut down and ability to move around and and double the numbers that are normally at the event uh is going to make things pretty challenging and when we're when we're watching the race live Braden. How and like we obviously can't get in like when you're watching it, you don't know how people are feeling or the thoughts that are going through people's heads or what's being set out in the course. How will we know watching if you're having the day you want to have? Like what what are some things we should be looking for with you to be like sort of thinking Braden's on here today or the opposite? Like, oh, Braden's probably not not that that like gonna have a, a special day today. What should we be watching for? Oh, um, yeah, I guess I am relatively charismatic when I race. Uh, you can normally tell uh, if I'm sitting there feeling pretty comfy or if uh, if my bottom lip's hanging out and I'm, I'm ready to ready to walk off the course because things aren't going my way. So there's normally a good shuckers uh, chucked in there if, uh, if I'm pretty happy and a few good smiles. And uh, I like to keep pretty positive uh, mentally when I'm racing. So um yeah if you see me smiling on course then then things are going pretty well awesome so look out for the shuckers and the smile that's like a little that can be a little nod to the the how they train listeners to not let them know that that you're on today yeah exactly awesome hey thanks heaps for your time mate it's um your time is is valuable right now in the in the build-up where your life is completely dedicated to achieving your your life's goals so can't thank you enough for coming on and chatting as always i'm a you know i'm a huge fan and and Oh, mate, I, I just hope you have a race even better than you did at St. George this year. I can't wait to watch it unfold. So, yeah, thanks. Good luck for the, the rest of the build-up and don't get sick or injured. Yeah, yep, simple things now, eh? So, um, yep, cheers. Cheers to uh, all the followers uh, on how they train. And, um, yeah, look forward to race day and hopefully a good performance. Hopefully we chat to you as a world champ, mate. Like that. Bring awesome. it on. See you, Braden. Have a good day, mate. All right. That is Jack. See you, mate. This episode was brought to you by Pillar Performance. Like I said, I use Pillar Performance products daily now and I love them. So if you want to try them for yourself or you just want to restock if you already use them, head to pillarperformance.shop and remember that while you're there, use my code HTT10, which gets you $10 off your first order. That's code HTT10, which gets you $10 off your first order.